Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pot on the Tyne. My name's Taylor Payne and there were fireworks at St James's Park last night. I've got George Corkin and Chris Woff here with me to talk about it. But it's a massive how the devil are you to Jacob Whitehead. You couldn't just stay away, could you, Jacob? You couldn't stay away. No, I just couldn't fight it. I mean, how long has this absence <laughs> been? A week and a half? Makes the heart grow fonder, it, mate. It, it, it's barely even an absence. Sort of more like... As, would I show up on the injury report if if this was kind of a, a Newcastle match week, or would it just be kind of an unexplained uh, disappearance from the squad? Well, Eddie Howe would probably lie about your availability, and then you'd turn up anyway. So that's probably what would happen. It's not too different from what we've done. Absolutely. <laughs> How the devil are you, George Corgan? You all right? Yes, I'm very good. Well, I'm 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 in London. It's my dad's birthday celebrations, which is great. And I met up with Jacob for the match, which was absolutely mint. Great to see him, and um, yeah, watched it in the Dolphin Pub in London. So so surrounded by Newcastle fans, so so great. The only thing I'm slightly concerned about is that, yeah, Jacob has only been away for a week and a half, but in the pub he was drinking no alcohol beer, and I'm just wondering if he is the transition back to southernness is now starting to take place. I mean, we had him, we we just had him, and I, and are we now starting to lose him? I, d- I just don't know. I don't know. Just look out. If he's eating a pret sandwich one day, then we know we're in trouble. We've lost no, we'll him. Know, for yeah. then. We'll know then. Yeah. And we've got a grumpy, sleep-deprived Chris Woff here as well. <laughs> Chris, haven't we? Your little face. Are you all right? Bless you. I'm all right now because I'm eating an almond croissant, which has made me feel a heck of a lot of air from Pink Lane. Wonderful almond croissant from there. So that, that's that's perked me up a bit, yeah, because I have been sleep-deprived. I've been up early filing, and then Ollie made us come on even earlier for this call. So, uh, But no, I'm delighted to chat about another Newcastle United victory because Jacob being here... Having messaged me on Wednesday suggesting that that I might be the curse, you know, two games back, two huge victories, that's all I'm going to say, Jacob. I don't have too much of a leg to stand on. All I can say is that kind of in Chris's 30 years so far, there has not been a trophy. And so that's kind of quite a long... <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah. don't, be, don't be walking into our manner. Don't be coming back and chucking around things like that. No, I Come mean, on uh, yeah, I mean... 
there hasn't been so a, there that. hasn't been a trophy in my lifetime, so so that's not <laughs> the same is true for me and Everton. So I mean, like <laughs> we ultimately all all the curse. Yeah, always nice to have you back, Jacob. Uh, well, what a night it was. Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town. Here's the free kick, Gordon to Trippier, and then back out wide to Gordon, corner of the area, taking on Saka, he's found Bruno, edge of the box, can't get the shot away, floats in the cross, headed down, and then Wilson over the top, offside flags up anyway, but that was a huge chance, and Callum Wilson will be delighted that the assistant has flagged for offside, because he stuck it over the bar by some distance as well. Don't take your guns to town. Free kick into the box, Almiron with it, right hand side. To Trippier, good delivery from Trippier, Gordon at the back post. Couldn't get enough on it, it rather hit him than Gordon with a deliberate act to divert the ball towards goal and Raya claims down by his right hand post. Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town. Newcastle clear it up to Wilson, and they might have a chance with Almiron on the run. Edge of the area, through for Anthony Gordon. Left side of the box, Gordon. It's blocked, and it's picked up by Raya. Oh, it just wouldn't quite come together. Just didn't quite fall for him. Heard again his mother's words. Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town. Ball over the top, Joe Linton on his chest. Gabriel's there, he's lost it. Jacob Murphy in the area. Back across goal from Murphy. And it's kept in, is it, by Willock. Brilliant from Willock. In the corner on the far side. Looks for the cross. It's on the line. It's in. It's in from Anthony Gordon. Joe Willock. Brilliant work on the far side to keep the attack alive after the ball over from Murphy. It's a goal for Anthony Gordon. It's a goal for Newcastle United. And it is 1-0. Don't. Take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town. Where to begin with this one, lads? How about this? Uh, after Old Trafford, we couldn't have anticipated a more satisfying win, could we, George? But just how much piss did we boil last night? It was great, wasn't it? I think these are the best wins, aren't they? I mean, it's difficult. I mean, it's maybe that's maybe that's because it's the one that's in my head. But I just think these like grumpy, grouchy, grudgy, aggressive um, victories are the best, where you sort of eke it out and and have to fight for it. But it was, yeah, I mean, absolutely hilarious and but you know not quite as hilarious as Manchester United or a different kind of hilarious to Manchester United which was just sort of about doing them at their own place when it doesn't happen but Newcastle's record against Arsenal hasn't been great recently either has it and it was just brilliant there's a proper there is a proper grudge between the two teams the two clubs 
at the moment that goes from top to bottom I think and it was just it's just brilliant 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 and so funny when you're on the end of a win like that there's nothing quite like St James's Park in that kind of mood is there Chris it's uh it, it was just a force of nature last night yeah I mean Newcastle fans and the players and the coaching staff felt wronged at, at several points. Ha- uh, Kai Havertz tackle on Sean Longstaff, which then resulted... Uh, Eddie Howe was almost most furious about this than anything else. It resulted in three Newcastle players being booked for, for dissent. And uh, all, and obviously Longstaff had to be off the pitch for a little bit um, when Havertz got, got himself booked. I think it was a very strong yellow. Whether it was quite a red card, I'm not entirely sure, but it was a very poor challenge. And that, that certainly added to a feeling that Arsenal were getting away with a lot during that match. I mean, the first half was fascinating because it was played at an absolutely ferocious pace. Breakneck, wasn't it? A breakneck, end-to-end, yet there were very few actual chances. Newcastle didn't have a shot until the 34th minute, which was a blocked effort from Fabian Scher, and Arsenal had very little as well, but yet it just felt like such a high-quality match in terms of the physicality, athleticism on display, the way that both teams were trying to play it out from the back and play through the opposition, and that it was absolutely breathless. The first 45 minutes went so quickly until we had the big break for the sort of Havertz in, uh, incident, but yeah, it was it was a really feisty affair. You saw that on the touchline as well. Tyndall and Arteta were going at each other all match. The bench were going at each other. Arteta was on the pitch at several points and had to be told to come back by the fourth official. It was just ferocious. It was. And we are going to come back to Arteta uh, in a little bit. The, the, the passions were high, weren't they, Jacob? Uh, Bruno Gimaraes was running around like a dog that had just been let out of a car after a long journey. Uh, and he was lucky as well, wasn't he, he to not see red for that elbow at the back of Jorginho's head? Yeah, it was faintly ridiculous that when Newcastle picked up three yellow cards after the long staff challenge, but kind of Bruno wasn't carded until the closing stages of the game, given he was sort of charging around uh, in the first half. Like a man possessed, not necessarily by malevolent forces, but just by kind of the desire to create trouble and almost single-mindedly try and wind up Mikel Arteta to the point of fury, which he did manage to do. Uh, he was probably a little bit lucky with that forearm to the back of the head. When I first saw it, I thought it might have been accidental. I watched it again. It wasn't. There's nothing accidental about that. And ultimately, if you are going around hitting people in the head with your forearm, Newcastle probably couldn't have complained if he'd walked. But... Um, these things tend to even put themselves out with a long stuff, don't they? He plays right on the edge, doesn't he? And... and... A lot, which is one of the things I really like about him. He isn't just a very skillful footballer. He's He puts himself about and that put it too far. My argument would be that the referee had just lost had lost the plot by that, by that point. And I think with those three Newcastle bookings, in the event of the Havertz tackle, I thought, I mean, I've, I've watched it back again this morning. I think it is red. I mean, I think it is red. He's way out of control. And very, you know, very fortunate that, that he didn't catch Longstaff. And I think that set the tone. It certainly set the tone for St. James's and that feeling of being wronged, which is really good. You know, that's really good if you've got that on your side. But at the same time, you know, the booking of the three Newcastle players, watching it with Jacob, it's like the referee's lost it here. He's absolutely lost it. Yeah. And I think that then sets the tone for Bruno to behave in the way that he did. Not that I'm, not that I'm condoning it at all, but, um, but I think that was the kind of context for that. I mean, I, I thought the referee, you know, the referee played it badly and didn't need to. Yeah, I think uh, if, if it's Havertz uh, sort of leading foot rather than his trailing foot, which catches long stuff, I think that's it. I don't think there's any question that it's a red. Yeah. But it's kind of his follow through, isn't it? More so than his leading foot. Yeah. Um, 
it was sheer bloody mindedness though Chris wasn't it that that actually won won it through for Newcastle it was just a determination uh players all over the pitch throwing themselves in front of the ball diving into tackles and you could see they were just so up for it there were and you've got to take into consideration that although Newcastle are very good from set pieces Arsenal I was uh, I was sat next to our Arsenal putter Jordan Campbell and he was telling me every time Newcastle uh, Arsenal sorry had a corner 11 which of which they had 11 he kept saying that they'll go short and they'll score from one of these eventually and Newcastle rebelled everything I mean I thought that the, the way that Jamal Lascelles led the line at the back he was towering in the box heading it away all the defence was good and defensively the entire team was very good Joe Linton was an absolute colossus in midfield whereas Dortmund came to St James's Park and sort of bullied them to a certain extent and physically got the better of them Arsenal tried that and although Declan Rice was very good for them I, didn't, I thought Newcastle managed to deal with just about everything they threw them. Arsenal had 14 shots, but only one of them was on target. Yeah. You barely saw Saka in the match, really, in any meaningful way. Martinelli again, Livermento came on, he dealt with them. Trippier dealt with them before. Trippier moves to left-back, they deal with the loss of Dan Byrne there, and he covers in that position. I just saw it all over. It was more of an off-the-ball performance from Newcastle than anything else. They weren't at their fluid best going forward, but off the ball, they just frustrated Arsenal in every way possible. I mean, I think to sort of say sheer bloody-mindedness, I mean, I totally agree with that, and that sort of that sort of spirit was very, very important. But it, I think it also downplays what Newcastle were, which was brilliantly organised, absolutely set yeah, up. Absolutely, there was a very good segment on Match of the Day after the match about how the Arsenal's wide players were closed down, two men put on them on both sides. Saka was absolutely um, shut down both in the first half and and second half. Um, their stats show that touches in the opposition box before yesterday would get eight at Newcastle. It was three. His expected goals was down to 0.02. They were so well organised. And again, one of the one of the kind of beautiful things about that performance, but also Manchester United, when it was a very different team, is that no matter who's who's in that first eleven or no matter who comes on, they fit so seamlessly into the system. It doesn't mean that every game's you know, it doesn't mean that every game's perfect. It doesn't mean people can't make mistakes. But whether it's, you know, you know, whether it's Richie coming into that team yesterday, whether it's Murphy coming into the team, I know he didn't last very long. They all know exactly what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to be, and that is, you know, that's testament to them as a team. But it's also testament to the way they've been set up and coached. So it's not just throwing bodies on the line, albeit they had to do that as well. Can we just rewind a hot moment to you bringing up an XG stat completely of your own back? What has happened? The nerds have left the building, Jacob. Yes, that's you. I've had to step up like <laughs> like Matt Ritchie coming into Eddie Howe's team yesterday and f- and fill the XG role. Good. like that. Pretty, pretty good, wasn't it? That's excellent. Well done. Thank you. Well Thanks. swerved. Uh, yeah, so sheer bloody mindedness, excellent organisation, and if you believe most of the reporting as well, uh, the referees uh, helped Newcastle get over the line. Three VAR checks on the goal, plus a fourth accusation of handball against Joe Linton. Uh, let's go through them, Chris, in order. Ball out. Was the ball out for Joe Willock? I mean, he's still pulling that corner flag out of his arse, isn't he? Let's be <laughs> honest. So that was that was some acrobatics, that. I mean, to go through what was happening within the stadium, I mean, at this by this point, the rain had become biblical and the press box was basically flooded. And so I was trying to work out what exactly was going on while also being asked to type up something for our live piece on this. So you get the first VAR call that comes through and it says VAR checking whether ball had gone out of play or whatever it says. And yeah, Willick 
that's a one where they basically came out and said that Stockley Park afterwards, they didn't have a conclusive angle to say that it was definitely out. Was the curvature of the certain people are showing photos and saying you can see it's out there, but is the is the curvature of the ball curvature fully the ball, out? Yeah. And then you've got to go with the on field decision, which was that the ball was in. If you can't conclusively say it was out, you've got to say it was in. So then you go from that, and then we have another. You hear the the again over the tannoy, oh VAR check, and you look up at the screen. Although people in the East Stand can't do that, you look up at the screen, and this time it's checking for a foul, a potential foul from Joe yep. Linton on in the back of Cabriel. When I first saw this on the replay, I thought maybe it was a foul. The more I've seen it since, I think it's a little bit soft, but I could have seen why it might have been given. But I didn't think it was enough to fully rule out the goal. And then so you think, oh, we'll get beyond that. And then the feeling inside the ground became that they are looking for any reason yeah. they possibly can Trying to disallow to this goal. Yeah, yeah, a third a third check, which I've never experienced before. So then it comes up with uh, potential offside was, 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 was the next one. And so the reason for that was that David Raya, the goalkeeper, was actually had gone beyond play. So he was outside of the six-yard box. Gabrielle was the only defender back and then you had Joe Linton knocking the ball or Joe Linton or Gabrielle or a combination of the two of them knocking the ball across to Anthony Gordon who then puts the ball into the goal. Now from the angles I've seen I think Gordon's behind him anyway so I'm not sure I it's so much well. of, I'm not sure it's so much of an off but he, he, they looked at it for ages and I think it was 4 minutes 6 seconds altogether the VAR checks took but finally wow. finally the referee did point to the middle of the pitch and Newcastle had taken the lead and it was just yeah it was just a ludicrous four minutes six seconds I've seen some weird VAR checks but to have a triple one was just farcical that almost rivaled uh, your Loris Carius monologue from last season another <laughs> four minute and six second long kind of break um, yeah. I enjoyed that a lot the complexity <laughs> the Vorchek was shorter than Chris's explanation of the Vorchek. Well done, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. George, what do we think? I mean, it, you, you can't tell if the ball's in or out, can you? You can't really tell if it's offside or not. But no, I, I mean, who cares? I, I hate, I hate VAR. I, 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 I always have from the start, and the reason I hate it is because I mean, VAR, of course, isn't isn't a thing. It's people. My my issue with it from the start has always been that it's taking refereeing decisions from the pitch and then giving them to somebody else, and so you've got you've then got two two potentials for human error. The ball over the line, that should be a fact. You know, that sh absolutely should be a factual thing. That should be what VAR does. And if we're now being told that we haven't got the right camera angles to determine whether that's right or wrong or not, what's the point of it? I'm not sure fully... Like, it, yes, it should be. But, but otherwise, what do you, do you then have for, like, 
what you have ball over the line. Do you have that exact technology for everywhere across the side Every of the line. pitch? I don't well, think I you don't... can do that. I understand where you're coming from, but that for me is if you haven't got conclusive proof, it's either in or out. You go with what the initial no, decision absolutely. is on the, with the pitch, no, which no. is what they did. Yeah, absolutely. After four minutes, which is the ludicrous thing about it. And so after all that, we've got the same we've got the same decision that was given on the pitch. I, I just once you start going through absolutely everything in slow motion, everything looks like a foul. And again, offside should also be a matter of fact. Put the whole thing together, and it's obviously a very controversial moment because it's made up of these little parts, but I don't think any any section of those VIR checks are massively controversial in their own rights. You could, I mean, I, again, as Chris said, the foul could have been given or not. The offside, it either is or isn't. And the ball should either be over the line or it isn't, and it's not conclusive. So there's no huge controversy there for me, apart from the length of time it takes, which is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's madness, isn't it? Jacob, where do you stand on this as the uh, as the neutral in the room? Neutral. I think for me, the foul is, is the kind of only one in question. It's kind of complicated by the fact that Gabriel does like stoop to head the ball. Yeah, he does like so a swan say, dive, It's not he? like Jolinton necessarily shoves him down. He also dips down, and Jolinton almost capitalises on that to use him as a bit of a, a ramp. I, I think it's one which kind of, when we talk about clear and obvious, kind of, it wasn't clear and obvious to overturn, but if it had been given as a foul on the pitch, I couldn't see them ever overturning back to give the goal to Newcastle. But so, yeah, 50-50, Newcastle came out on top. C'est la vie. Well, Chris, if, if, if those decisions were to go against Newcastle, would we have would we have cause for complaint? I think we probably would, wouldn't we? Well, I, I suppose it depends on that. I don't think any... Uh, uh, I agree with Jacob, apart from the foul, and again, I, I am probably looking at this because I cover Newcastle from a, a slightly Newcastle rose tinted glasses or black and white tinted glasses on this, but I don't think the other two... The ball is either... If you, if you can't say conclusively it's gone out, then you have to go with the initial decision. And with the offside, as I say, I, I just it doesn't even look like he's offside to me. I realise the rule about Raya being up and you need two defenders who enclose a goalkeeper behind, but the ball seems to... It, it doesn't seem to be... I think the ball's ahead of him anyway. Yeah, I so, I don't, I, so, so I don't really understand that one. So it, it comes down to the fact... And I, I didn't think it was like an absolutely glaring foul. It's not like he elbows him in the face and suddenly it, that stops Gabriel getting towards it. As, as Jacob says, I think it's more of a sort of bit, bit in, to and from. And if he'd given that as a foul on the pitch, I don't think VAR would have overturned it and therefore the goal being given... If, if, if he'd initially ruled it for the foul, that's one of those ones which should be a subjective refereeing decision and was initially there. So I'm not sure it is the massive wrong that clearly Mikel Arteta thought it was. <laughs> yeah, we'll come on to that in just a second. Uh, there were a few casualties uh, of war, George, weren't there? Dan Byrne jumped the height of the Milburn stand and understandably when he landed uh, has done himself some real damage. He looked in quite a lot of pain there. Yeah, and you know, seeing him play on for the rest of that first half, holding his back for a lot of it. I mean, oh, literally running while holding his back back for a lot of it did brilliantly to kind of get through that and again just to kind of reiterate what I said before I thought he was excellent against Saka I think him and him and Gordon marshalled him really well he he played his part he absolutely played his part yesterday but yeah yeah and Newcastle's Newcastle's team are is is massively stretched yet again but yeah no it was a horrible horrible landing it was, and Chris Jacob Murphy summed up the attitude of the day. Then he went out, knowing that he was risking that shoulder of his, uh, and unfortunately, it, it popped out. And what looked like a fairly innocuous challenge, to be honest. But he's probably facing some surgery now in a good few months out. But uh, he was the happiest person in that pre- uh, post-match photo, wasn't he? Let's be honest. He was. I mean, the Jacob Murphy situation was a weird one as well because ten days previously he had dislocated his shoulder. Now, how had been 
non-committal, shall we say, in his press conferences about exactly where Jacob Murphy was. But he'd been asked on Friday whether Jacob Mur- what the situation was, and he basically said, we're doing everything possible to try and avoid, to, to, to stop Jacob Murphy from having, having an operation. Clearly, that didn't involve him coming on in the 62nd minute and eventually the, the shoulder popping out. And it was a risk. And I mean, you can, you can say he, he played a key role in the goal. He was the one who, who fizzed it across. That yes. Joe Willock then kept it in. So two substitutes made a big difference there. But then you can look at the counter and say, well, now Murphy's been lost for... It's, how I thought it would be around three months now that he's going to have to have surgery. He didn't know for sure. But I suppose that the, the seemingly he was probably going to have to have surgery anyway. But that was maybe yeah. a risk that didn't quite play, pay off. How has to take risks at the moment because he has so few bodies. He's having to play square pegs and round holes because he simply doesn't have the players that are available. And Jacob Murphy stood up. He performed in, in a way where really I think that was going above and beyond. You actually saw, you maybe couldn't see it on the TV. I don't know if they zoomed in on it, but he, his shoulder was fully was out, out of joint. It was like his arm was down his Did own. they pop it back in I on think the he, pitch? I think they popped it partly back in on the pitch, yeah. <laughs> But then, then, then he came off, and no, I mean he, that's putting his body. As I say, he's going above and beyond there. But that's Less another blow. I've written a piece basically showing the situation Newcastle are in, where they keep overcoming all this despite everything going on. They keep competing on all these fronts, and they keep confounding these expectations. And basically, the, at the start of the season, the question was, can can Newcastle squad cope with this? And in some ways, you can argue they haven't because they're losing so many players. Yet they are in terms of results and the way that they are doing things. And for Tuesday, it looks like of the twenty-three man senior squad which they've named for the Champions League, two there were two places short already because they haven't got enough home registered players. It looks like it looks like he's only have 16 of those players available three of whom are goalkeepers so that shows you already the situation that they are in that they're significantly weakened because of all these injuries I mean I am packing my boots for the flight of Dortmund <laughs> so I am taking them just in. I mean you never know do you we could be like a when Saturday comes Sean Bean kind of thing going on here running around calling calling them all bastards yeah this is the impressive thing I mean these you know these fixtures are incredibly tough and and yet the way the the way that everybody is coming into the team and I'm not saying it's you know I'm not saying it's a seamless thing but they all know what they're doing and they're all organized and that's it, it, there is something really beautiful in that and that that sense of everybody wanting to be part of it and contribute whether it's whether it's Jacob uh, or whoever I just think that is so powerful Absolutely. Uh, right then, let's get back to Mikel Arteta because obviously he wanted to make himself the centre of attention last night, didn't he? When the Arsenal manager came out to do his post-match interviews, it felt like his head had blown off completely and rolled down Barrack Road, Jacob. He was not a happy bunny, was he? No, well, he's always struck me as kind of a fairly... I've always found him quite frustrating because of kind of how unemotional he is lots of the time. And then, bish bash boss, he's blown that out of the absolute water by losing his shit. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. it. It was kind of the fact that he wasn't exactly answering what he thought should have been ruled out. He just kind of wanted to vent. Like he needed to go yeah. and kind of be sent to sit on the naughty step and kind of cry himself out, I feel. Like before he sort of addressed the room because it was total sort of fury speaking. And I think he, you can kind of go back to the Liverpool scenario a few weeks ago where kind of there's these complaints about PGMOL and he seemed as if he was almost piggybacking on the back of that to make a wider point when it was, this was a subjective thing rather than a kind of objective error. And I, I think, I mean, he went way over the top of it. Well, let's have a little listen. Here's a little bit of a post-match audio from Mikel Arteta. Yeah, we have to talk about the result because you have to talk about how the hell 
this goal, stand up, and it's incredible. I feel embarrassed, but I have to be the one now coming here to try to defend the club and please ask for help because it's an absolute disgrace that this goal is allowed. It's an absolute disgrace because it's not a goal. For many reasons, it's not a goal. For more than one reason, at least, it's not a goal. And it's too much a stay here. We put so much effort. It's so difficult to compete at this level. And it's an absolute disgrace. Again, I feel embarrassed. I've been more than 20 years in this country. And this is nowhere near the level to describe this as the best league in the world. I am sorry. Maybe that because they were, they were rechecking the information back from the That makes it even worse. So even even worse. It makes it even worse. You just need to see one image, it's a fini. And you have any doubt, you look at the second one. And if this is a goal, okay, that's fine. Did they say they haven't got camera angles to, to prove one way or the other? I don't care, honestly. I don't care what they say. It's the outcome. It's too late. Whatever they say, it's too late. I don't want to be in the hands of people. Sorry, did you think the ball was out for the goal? It was a foul, an offside? Or but this is really the question, guys. The question is, it's not a goal. It's simple. It's not a goal. Simple. Sorry, for which one of the three reasons? Sorry? For which one of the three reasons? Because for a goal to be allowed, there are certain things prior to that, that the ball hitting one meter from the goal that are not allowed in football. In football. In here, in China, in Japan, in Spain, in Italy, and in Portugal. They are not allowed. That's what happens. And we lost three points today, guys. You know what that means? It's too hard, this league. It's too hard. It's too much at stake. It's embarrassing. I have to praise the players the, the way they play here and what they did and how, how much they limit Newcastle to what they did and how much we tried. It's incredible, honestly, the way they play here, the way they competed against this team because they are a top team. Incredible. So to get the game out of that like this, it just honestly it feels I feel sick. That's how I feel. I feel sick to be part of this. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Thank you. I mean, I was I was in the press conference and I have to be honest that my professionalism almost slipped because it was one of those moments where I expected I expected Arteta to be angry, but it was one of those things where the more he went on, the more I had to stop myself from basically smirking because it just it did just seem like he completely lost control, particularly when Jens were going back at him and basically saying what, what, which of the three, in theory, VAR decisions, the three VAR checks, which was the one that you feel was wrong? Or was it all three? And he could, he didn't answer the question. He either couldn't answer the question, or he did. He, he was, he was so enraged that he, he couldn't actually answer it. And he did look very emotional. He looked like he almost had sort of his, his, his eyes had welled up a bit. And whether that was because it would be absolutely peeing it down outside, I don't know for certain. But it was, it was a very, very strange press conference. He did, to be fair on him, describe Newcastle as an incredible team throughout it. And I think part of his rage came from that. I think he realised that his, his, his players didn't actually have answers to what Newcastle threw at him. I mean, you could argue yeah. in a lot of ways Newcastle didn't have answers to what also they, they, they got the one goal, but beyond that, Newcastle didn't look like scoring. It was a very, very evenly matched game in terms of neither side really looking like scoring, but Newcastle had that one key moment, and I think that that's largely where his frustration came from as well. I mean, I personally, I gave up smirking a few years ago, but I've um, yeah. but I've, I've taken it back up again this morning, because yeah. um, it just feels so right, do you know what I mean, to be smirking this morning? Yeah, I've started um, verping. Verping, verping and smirking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I do and I don't have a measure of empathy for Arteta. I mean, I do in the sense that coming straight out after a match and, and having to talk rationally when you're full of emotion, full of adrenaline, yeah, is, is difficult. You can see what he's like on the touchline. 
you know, Jason Tind- Tindall gets a lot of stick for the way for the way he behaves sometimes, but Arteta is no better. In fact, he's probably a lot worse. He's incredibly emotional and in the thick of it. But I think if you're wanting to have a debate about VAR and officiating and refereeing, there is a responsibility to 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 have some responsibility in your language and I think he's he just doesn't do that and it, I'm afraid it it cheapens the debate and it coarsens the debate and if everything is a disgrace and a shit you know that sort of thing there's no room yeah. for nuance in that and he wasn't able to sort of pick apart why the goal shouldn't shouldn't have stood anyway it was yeah I don't think that was a very becoming uh, response response to the match and again that does always makes me feel that we're you know lucky to have somebody like Eddie Howe who is always very rational and measured in his responses. Jacob, to what extent is he justified in being upset? I think it was kind of the nature of the VAR call. Like, potentially, if it had just been one thing they looked at, then he might have just kind of seen it. But I think he probably feels that there's elements of conspiracy to it. The fact that it's three things which were passed over, as well as the uh, Bruno Guimaraes instance in the first half. So when he probably feels like he's come out on the wrong end of four... 50-50 calls, not that I think they were, but that's how he'll feel. Yeah, It probably does feel as if the fates are conspiring against him. That said, I did enjoy kind of seeing a quote which he he made three weeks ago, which was saying, uh, referees are human, they all make mistakes, we need to support them. And then kind of within a moon, there he's you go. Uh, there you go. There calling you go. him a disgrace. Yeah. So um, there's only so much yeah. sympathy I can have. Absolutely, yeah, and and Chris, finally, um, on this, uh, to what extent is he simply just a gigantic baby who can't take his team losing the game, even though they only had one shot on target? I think it was partly maybe to deflect from his side. I think that's partly maybe what it was because they have also lost in midweek, and they've been a lot. Of, although Arsenal weren't beaten in the league until this point, there have been a lot of Arsenal supporters. I don't think have been entirely convinced of them. Certainly in attack, yet they are an elite side, and you can see that. And Declan Rice was was superb, but in attack they're not quite functioning, and this felt like a damaging defeat for them on the back of going out of the League Cup. So I think there was partly a deflectionary tactic there as well. Uh, and just before we finish off this little section and move on, absolutely, we should all be enjoying the controversy, the drama, the fun of it, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but racist messages to Joe Willock on social media are definitely not fun. They are an actual real disgrace, uh, and those people should absolutely be ashamed of themselves. Uh, Newcastle United have come out and condemned the comments made to Joe Willock uh, on Instagram last night. Uh, and this sort of shit, it just absolutely needs to stop. It's it's a disgusting part of the game. And we need rid of it, George. Yeah, absolutely. And to Bruno as well in um, in Newcastle statement. No, it's horrific, and that's what I mean. I think I think that's what I mean about Arteta's comments. You know, not everything can be a disgrace, and not everything should be a disgrace. But this is genuinely, uh, genuinely, absolutely appalling. There's no excuse for responding to a game of football, however feisty, however aggressive, however difficult it is for your own team to respond in that way. And we would say the same thing whether it was Newcastle or Arsenal. Um, Just, yeah, just absolutely appalling. Absolutely. Uh, Right, we've got a few shout-outs that I want to rattle through. We'll get through these and then we'll move on to Dortmund. Uh, Firstly, to the London Mags, who hosted Jacob and George at the Dolphin Pub on Saturday night near King's Cross. Um, They want a Dolphin Pub review, so let's give them that, George, very quickly. Superb, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we kept ourselves to ourselves. We weren't in the the main... room which was full of Newcastle fans both rooms were full of Newcastle fans it was absolutely fabulous Jacob to give him credit I've sort of questioned his northeast credentials by drinking um low alcohol no alcohol beer he was however doing work on his mobile phone 
filing work on his mobile phone, and that is pretty old school. So hat tip to Jacob. But no, the Dolphin was absolutely brilliant. It's um, it's not too far from King's Cross, just across the road. It's got loads of Newcastle memorabilia in there, and that would be absolutely the place I would recommend people watching Newcastle matches if they're not in Newcastle, and they are in London. Fabulous. I did also enjoy George going into the main room at the end and yelling these completely unintelligible words with sort of, what are you, what are you? Right at the end before just walking out and continuing to his very fancy dinner kind of about 15 minutes later. Wonderful kind of two sides of a man. Well, I think if you want a full transcript, it was fucking come on. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was good. It was good. Unintelligible to you, Jacob, but everybody in that room knew exactly <laughs> what he said. Don't worry about it. Um, also, it was lovely to hear from several of you via email, uh, podonthetine at theathletic.com if you want to get in touch. Andy McCoy followed up on his lovely email from the other day. Delighted to hear he had a great time at the Arsenal game, and we all love Joe Linton as much as he does. Uh, superb, superb. He was, Arsenal. wasn't he? Yeah. Wasn't he fabulous? Yeah. We haven't mentioned him, but he yeah. was absolutely colossal. Uh, Thomas Hughes played our heartstrings like a jewel and banjo with the beautiful pictures of his new baby decked out in black and white. Uh, and we got several thousand field event themed sign offs after our discus email the other day. <laughs> Uh, quite a good few as well uh, on how good Anthony Gordon is, uh, thanks to Alexander Zapushek uh, in particular. And yes, he was mint against Manchester United, but he was just as good against Arsenal, wasn't he? Uh, and sorry to anyone who was upset by the swearing at the end of the last episode, as you've clearly picked the wrong podcast. Uh, before we have a quick break, here's Jacob and George turning the air blue with the aforementioned London Max. Now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And so, back to the Champions League. It just never lets up for a moment, does it, this European football? Uh, Dortmund are looming large and Newcastle United will want revenge for the 1-0 defeat at St. James's Park. Uh, Dortmund absolutely humped uh, by Bayern Munich at the weekend with Harry Kane uh, getting a hat-trick. Chris, could they be on the ropes? Well, let's hope so. Um, I mean, Newcastle United, as I've already said, go there with an extremely depleted squad, but a squad that should have loads of positive momentum after two huge victories that's the only defeat Newcastle have suffered since the loss to Brighton at the start of September. It, that's one defeat in 12 in all competitions, eight wins in that time. And despite losing all these players, they are finding ways at the moment. They are finding ways to, to get beyond teams. It's going to be a, a heck of an atmosphere, a real challenge going to one of the iconic stadiums across Europe. And yeah, they, they were thumped by Bayern, which is... Uh, which hopefully lowers their confidence but that will also mean that they need a reaction and they did do a job on Newcastle they were impressive in that first half they were physical they really got at Newcastle and exposed maybe some weaknesses that are there and Newcastle hopefully have learned from that and hopefully they'll have found ways to break down Dortmund that they couldn't at St James's Park but I think this is going to be a really really fascinating contest we were down to the bare bones before Arsenal, weren't we, George? We're positively translucent now. Yeah, players dropping like flies. But you know, just to repeat what I've said, it's like it's very impressive the way the way others have come in, and it's and it's sort of been relatively not not seamless. Seamless is not the right word, but the way everybody in the squad knows their job. So you would have confidence it'll be the same same against uh, Dortmund. I mean, it's a massive it's a massive task. It's huge, isn't it? But they've just done these two incredible victories against teams they struggle to do it against and so there shouldn't be I don't think there should be any reason for sort of doubt or negativity it's obviously a huge match in the context of group F but yeah so excited yeah the F in group F stands for fuck (laughs) apparently I found that out yesterday Uh, yeah uh, everyone in Europe though Jacob they all know who we are now don't they they know that we cannot be written off and we can beat them yeah, I mean, there's been a series of statements in Europe. I mean, firstly, kind of AC Milan showed they're able to compete, PSG showed they're able to dominate, and Dortmund showed there was still a bit of a way to go. I think what's going to be interesting about this game is kind of the tactical nature of it. Dortmund actually managed to beat Newcastle by taking away their strengths, by kind of exploiting the space behind Kieran Trippier, by putting strength on their midfield. Those are problems, but they're problems really how you think we'll be able to solve. So it'll be really interesting, kind of especially first half hour, to see how we try and rectify those. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, Dan Ashworth's been talking to the press recently as well, hasn't he? Yeah, well, I was at the training ground on Friday and Dan Ashworth spoke to the media for about 40, 45 minutes, largely on the Sandro Tonali situation and trying to explain exactly what has gone on there, how they see it, the sort of internal investigation that's ongoing now, whether legal action will happen with Milan, the situation that will happen with Sandro Tonali over the course of the next 
10 months. And then he also discussed sort of January transfer window and will Newcastle bring in any players, potential Saudi pro league loans, because there's a lot of links with Ruben Neves and the likes. And he basically said, well, there's nothing in the rules to stop Newcastle. But yeah, that, that all of that can be read on The Athletic uh, at the moment, just going through the real ins and outs of the Tenali situation. And finally, someone other than anyhow fronting up, this is what we need from the club. This is what supporters have wanted for a while. This new regime have been doing it more, but it felt like there needed to be someone speaking now and Ashworth did come out and hit his credit and did answer all of our questions right then there we go that's just about it uh, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic via theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod uh, pay just one ninety nine. that's pounds dollars or euros a month for your first 12 months right that's just about it Chris me and you are getting ready to go and represent pod on the tine in the land of sausage and ale are you looking forward to it yeah I'm just trying to think about how many sausages I can actually get through in 48 hours in Germany and I'm, I'm I think we should maybe have a pod on the tine sweepstake and see see how far I can get I nearly said let's see how many sausages we can fit in you Chris when we get there but I didn't say that I didn't say that out loud no. because that would have been unfortunate and disgusting I, yeah. I'm, I'm worried that Chris might actually reform as a sausage come back as a sausage I mean we. I didn't know you were Buddhist <laughs> I mean Chris surely must already piss mints at regular intervals and I, got there, I, I just don't understand how he can survive as a human do you ever eat vegetables or fruit as well Chris Oh, occasionally, I've got an orange seed after this podcast, so yeah. Right, okay, bit worried. Yeah. If you cut more than he bleeds gravy, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Rather than black and white, he bleeds gravy. Well, you, Bless him. you know, little pep talk, you are representing Pot on the Tyne in Germany in the yes, Champions League, absolutely. and so you both do need to step up. I mean, I mean that with great respect, but pressure is a privilege. It is. But, uh, you know, take your place on the stage, represent, go well, represent us with pride, with strength, with fortitude. Absolutely. We shall both be 95% pork by the time we get home. <laughs> uh, right, then that's it. Thanks very much, Jacob Whitehead. Lovely to see you again. Pleasure to be back. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, mate. Uh, George Corgan, thank you very much. Go well. Go well yourself. Have a safe journey home from London. And Chris Wolf, I shall see you, young man, on Tuesday. Look after yourself and have a nice journey over to Germany. Alvidasin. Alvidasin, indeed. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. From everyone at Pot on the Time, take care of yourselves. Uh, have a lovely week. Goodbye. about the result because you have to talk about how the hell this goal stand up and it's incredible. I feel embarrassed because it's an absolute disgrace that this goal is allowed. It's an absolute disgrace. For many reasons it's not a goal. For more than one reason at least it's not a goal. And it's too much at stake here. We put so much effort. It's so difficult to compete at this level and it's an absolute disgrace. Again, I feel embarrassed. I've been more than 20 years in this country and this is nowhere near the level to describe this as the best league in the world. I am sorry. You just need to see one image, it's a fini. And if you have any doubt, you look at the second one and if this is a goal, okay, that's fine. It's the outcome. It's too late. Whatever they say, it's too late. It's simple, it's not a goal. Because for a goal to be allowed, there are certain things prior to that.
The Athletic.